Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a few days since we last talked about La Liga, anyone in Spain or any of the Spanish teams. But it means that we've had a chance to reflect. And uh, I have had a chance to reflect on my European woes, Spanish teams, European woes, Bar, Granada, and Villarreal. But we're back to talk a little bit of Spain, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico, and the rest. Because there's a lot that happened in the last 10 days. So... Rian, we're recording on a abnormal Sunday evening, a very chill, cool Sunday evening in New York. I uh, I don't know. I guess I couldn't really ask for much more. How you doing? Um, I'm doing well too, man. We had a great week of weather here, um, in New York. It was like sixty degrees. Yeah, seventy on. It ended up being seventy on what Thursday. Yeah. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing week, and sunny, of course, too, and even um. So even this weekend was very nice, but it, it looks like we're going to level out a little bit this this week, at least, um, back into like the mid 40s and which is still way better <laughs> than it was two weeks ago. So, oh, I'll take that. I'll take we're, that. We're, we're over the hump. Um, we're over the winter hump, I think. Since, well, two things. One, since when did you become the meteorologist in the in the podcast? That's well, that's yeah, news I, to me. But... I, know, I know how to use that weather app, too. <laughs> whoa, whoa, there's, there's more to it than that. <laughs> no, 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 of course, of course, of course, of course. But yeah, also, I, the one thing I realized this week when it was really warm and, like, I sat outside for a little bit, um, I didn't realize how real seasonal depression is. Like, oh, man. it's I was such just a thinking real... That. It's so real. Like, you only know it, though, until it hits, like, 55, 60 degrees that one time in March, just to show you what spring feels like. And everyone just, like, rises from the ashes and goes outside. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Like, it, it's it's hard to tell smiles, to tell when people are smiling now because of masks. Yeah. But but even walking around after in East Village a little bit over the weekend and being out here in Brooklyn during the day um, this past week, like, you can just see people are... It's just happier. Just you can see, you can even <laughs> see it under the through their eyes, and like this, it, it's it's a good atmosphere, and, and especially after you know how depressing the last year has been too. You know this vaccine rollout coupled with the nice weather that we're getting, I, it's it's a good. I think um, I think we really did need this need this stuff to be happening at the same time. If you know what I mean, right? So yeah, you know, optimism and and good weather—it's a pretty great combination for for endorphins, I believe, for releasing yeah, endorphins. I, seriously, I, I believe they call that a vibe, which yeah. uh, it a hundred percent is. I I cannot wait till we can play soccer again out in the park. Like, I'll give it like two weeks before it's like hopefully warm again. We can do that just freely. That's uh a man can dream. A man can dream. But anyway, Rian, let's talk about people who are actually better than us at playing football. Um, that, of course, is basically any other pro player in Europe. But... Or a semi-pro. Or a semi-pro for that matter. Yeah, we were we were not slated to uh, to do that after our high school and college days. But let's start with a team that we don't actually usually start with that much. Uh, Barcelona, because a lot has happened in the last, what, seven days for this team. Basically, after last weekend's game against Osasuna, um, obviously, like I said, we were recording this on a Sunday night, so they haven't actually played their uh, weekend game yet, which is very rarely happens, but it is on a Monday night. 
uh, against Cuesca tomorrow. But most notably, I think we have to talk about the PSG game midweek, right? Their second leg in the Champions League going out in the round of 16. I mean, there are two narratives to this, right? There's one, Barcelona have gone out in the round of 16 for the first time since 2005, I believe 2004, 2005, uh, or 2006, 2007. And this is also the first time that Ronaldo and Messi are not in the quarterfinals since 2004, 2005. So basically breaking records that held for over a decade for, for multiple different levels, right? Involving Ronaldo and obviously Messi and Barcelona missing out on the quarterfinals. And when you hear that narrative, you kind of just think, well, this this team is doomed. But the other side of this entire game was this could have been 4-0 to Barcelona in the first half, right? <laughs> there are so yeah. many positives that this team can take away from just a second leg performance alone that they should be able to carry and should feel confident carrying through the rest of the season. And I was like, I mean, personally, like being a fan, obviously, I was wildly impressed with how well they came out. Like it wasn't PSG just sitting back and like absorbing pressure because they don't, that's not Pochettino's style of play, but they were pinned back like in their own ground. And that is something that Barcelona haven't done since 2015 it, you know, the last time they won the Champions League, essentially. So, I don't know. Rian, I, I mean, I was, <laughs> I shockingly came out of this game happy because, like I said, I didn't expect to go through. But the fact that we <laughs> we almost could have gone through is astonishing. Yeah, and, and I think just to start with the PSG side of it, how they kind of defended in that game. Yeah, I wouldn't, we'd never accuse a, a Pochettino team of sitting back, right, and, and trying to park the bus quote-unquote but at the same time where Barcelona were very good and pinning the back and especially especially on Levin Kurzawa's side in that first half and and I mean the the sub for Diallo I think helped to really stop the bleeding um, of chances <laughs> yeah. that were coming from that side for Barcelona but um just had a field day in another yeah he did yeah he did um and another on another uh day and in a circumstance where PSG aren't trying to hold on to a 4-1 lead, maybe they play way more expansive. And, and and not even just expansive, it did feel like the players on PSG themselves were just, I, I hate to be bi-language doctor, but a little nervous, right? They, play, they played that first half very nervously um, in a lot of stretches. You know, obviously, they, they end up getting the, the, the penalty that's... <laughs> Whatever, whatever with this with this stuff now. But the, the, um, well, the, the nice part about that penalty is that for Barcelona, at least it didn't really matter, right? Either way, they had to score four goals. It, it, yeah, it didn't change the to, objective, yeah, right? It, it didn't change the objective at all. You still have to four, score four goals. Yeah, and I, I think like this Barcelona were fantastic, by the way, and I think this is just another game where it stressed one of the one of the big things that I feel like I've learned watching games this season. Um, which is having to capitalize on those moments of ascendancy, right? And, and for Barcelona, it was more than mo a moment. It was like half half an hour of actual just wave after wave of attack. And um, and yeah, they'll look back and, and regret that they didn't score more from that from that dominance. And it's just that's what's needed. And as as great as Barcelona played, that's where like the other side of this is, where it ended up taking a worldie from from Lionel Messi 
for them to actually break through and 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 put the ball in the back of the net. I mean, yeah. Lord knows how many times Usman Dembele was running in <laughs> borderline one on one on the keeper and just p roller. And yeah. every time he yeah. shot, it just every time he shot it just reminded me of. Um, and sorry to bring up bad memories here, Ellis, but but the end of the the first leg against <laughs> yeah, Liverpool, know, yeah, yeah, um, a couple yeah. of seasons ago, where he has a chance to make it four nil at the end of that first leg, it and I mean an, an easier chance than any chance I think he had um, during this past week against PSG, and and he and he put a really disappointing shot on target there too. So you know it, it still it still needs to be someone else who can produce the magical moments outside of Messi, and that's and that's the I think only thing keeping Barcelona from one making a real um a real challenge at the end of the season here for the for the league in my opinion and also for you know next season's prospects to to be on another level they need a, they need someone else to step up and and be able to produce those magical moments um not on the same level as Messi not asking for that <laughs> but but at least i mean at least on on 80 percent of that level so. yeah yeah i mean the, you talked about dembele right who basically did i would say 85 to 90 percent of the hard work in about four of the shots and chances that he created but just made kalo navas look like prime casillas basically like it wasn't that i think navas had an absolutely outstanding game i think Barcelona just made it look very simple for him to actually make key saves. And there were a few, granted, that Dembele actually had that really stretched Kaylor Navas. I mean, he made upwards of eight or nine saves throughout the entire game. But if one or two of those chances go in, you're talking about a tie that completely shifts. Because you get to halftime, maybe the penalty doesn't happen, and you're talking about a game that's 2-0, two, two right? Let's say, say at halftime. That is doable to get to four in the second half. And I heard someone say this on Twitter the other day that, oh, if Suarez, you know, was in that position that Dembele was in, he's scoring that 90% of the time. And I said, like, I thought to myself, yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, The only problem, of course, is that Suarez himself is never getting himself in the position that (laughs) Dembele got himself in. There's no way that that man has the the base to to run past Kurzawa, Marquinhos, etc. So that was just hilarious to me. That's the encouraging part, right? Is that he's getting into those positions consistently. Um, Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's... I mean, the finishing is hard, obviously. We know finishing is hard, but, uh, but... all you can do right now with him is, is applaud that he's getting into those positions and, and kind of just hope that he, that the finishing itself can get better with, with more chances that he, that he gets himself into. Yeah. He, he has a habit of also scoring worldlies like he did against Sevilla yeah. and then doing this the next week. So it's, it's the consistency, but I'm proud of this team. Ultimately, I think that's the big takeaway. I think that there is a legitimate chance that, you know, depending on the restructuring of, you know, (laughs) the team physically and sporting um, over the summer slash literal restructuring of debt. Financially. Financially. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a billion euros in debt. You have some restructuring to do. Um, There's a chance that this team could look towards pushing farther in Europe next year. And you're starting to see the early signs of youth prospects that they don't have any of the previous baggage in Europe that the, the older, 
kind of aging members of the squad do, right? The last five years, they don't have that weighing on them. It, it's like they're playing freely and, yeah. and with much more fresh attitude. And that's very, very important when you're trying to rejuvenate a squad. So I'm looking forward to, um, of course, welcoming Erling Holland to Barcelona next season. <laughs> I'm just going to speak it into existence. Um, it's not going to happen because this team has no money. But I think I think Barcelona are in a good position to compete for the the rest of the season. I think against Bilbao in the Copa del Rey final, and also especially given that Atletico just dropped points yesterday at the time of recording mm-hmm. against Atafe. Again, every team or every game that you drop points is massive now at the top three, right? That's two points dropped, not one picked up for Atletico. A win tomorrow for Barcelona puts them within four points of Atletico at the top. And Barcelona and Atletico still have to play at the Camp Nou in early May. So a lot can happen for for Barcelona to win the league. And if Atletico do, in fact, beat Chelsea midweek and go through in the Champions League, those are more, again, added games for, for Atletico to focus on. But that is also, again, a big if at this point. So... I, I think Barcelona are in a good spot. Yeah, I think I think you have to be proud of the development of the squad. And hats off to uh, Ronald Koeman, too, because all of the extracurricular stuff going on around this club, it's, it it probably would be easy for, for some players to kind of... You would, you would be very hard on them if they were to kind of mentally be put off by it because, you know, they're professionals, of course. But, you know it can't be easy from the coaching side to try to block everything out, right? So, yeah, um, encouraging signs for Barcelona, especially from that game and and uh, from the PSG side. Yeah, they lost today in, in Liga. And, they and, did. And, they're, uh, and so, I don't know. That, I mean, we might look back on that 4-1 defeat, like, closer to the end of the season and be like, that was actually kind of weird. Even the even though Mbappe was amazing that day, obviously, and maybe we'll yeah. just end up attributing it to Mbappe was just amazing that day, and and uh, <laughs> that doesn't make much sense with how the rest of the season went or something, right? So No, and it goes back to what Zidane said about Real Madrid a few years ago in that winning the league, right, is much harder than winning the Champions League because it requires just consistency week over week and that's something that's very difficult for a team to achieve and and Messi said this I think last year the year before that we're going to look back on the periods where some of these major teams in Europe win back-to-back-to-back league titles like Barcelona have like Bayern have you know like City have in some respect and and we're going to kind of realize how good we had it in in that sense Um, so yeah, it's something to think about. I, the one question that I still don't know the answer to is whether or not Barcelona are going to keep Ronald Koeman around. I, I think that's kind of an open question after the, the season ends and in the summer. But it, you can make an argument either way. Maybe we could talk about that in the, when I uh, have uh, yeah. that straight. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure as we get closer to the end of the season and, and whether this becomes a real tight race at the top, uh, that, that'll probably yeah. give us a lot of indicators. And also, of course, whether or not we find out Messi is leaving, and <laughs> that that yeah. will be a major major when, factor. Who knows when we'll find that out too? That might be after the season as well. Probably, probably. Well, if you ask uh, Marcelo, of course, uh, not left back for Real Madrid, Marcelo, but Marcelo, the uh, Brazilian sports journalist out of Barcelona, um, with the big news on Friday um, around Messi is that PSG will be going after him. To which. Everyone said, oh, no. Anyway, 
So <laughs> with that, let's take a quick break. Rian, we can talk about the Madrid Derby and uh, a little Real and Atletico action from this past weekend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back talking a little bit of a review of last weekend's Madrid Derby. 1-1, the final result, a late result for Kareem Benzema getting on the score sheet, drawing them level late on. Atletico, of course, went ahead early thanks to main man Luis Suarez. And I thought to myself, what if I had placed a bet on a 1-1 draw and Kareem Benzema and Luis Suarez scoring, which statistically would have been like the most likely outcomes? I feel like we would have cashed out. Like I don't know, I don't know what the odds were on all three happening, but oh my god, I regret not even looking at them. But neither here nor there. <laughs> anyway, Rian, let's talk about the Madrid derby. Um, we watched a large part of this game together. It was relatively boring in the first half, like especially before Suarez's goal and even somewhat afterwards, because it didn't yeah. really feel like either team was going for it. It just felt like they were trying to escape without losing. Um, and then, of course, a counterattack from Atletico changed the entire game. But d- what does this result mean for both teams, right? Real Madrid arguably now dropping two points and in some ways helping Barcelona and Atletico kind of doing the same exact thing. Yeah, it, the, the first half was very weird. Um, Madrid, I think, would have been would have been pretty disappointed with that allowing the Suarez goal, which was a wonderful take from him, by the way. He hits it with the outside of his right foot. It's just really well a hit, beautiful, yeah. beautiful finish. Um, but I think Madrid would have been disappointed because they were controlling the possession, at least, and, and, and getting into good areas. They had, like, a, a penalty shout, which was, you know, probably not a penalty. But either way, they were creating the chance. They were getting the balls into the box, and, and they were pinning back. Um, Atletico Madrid, but all it took was one lightning fast counterattack. And I know that lightning fast is not usually associated with a move um, that involves Luis Suarez right now, but it was a wonderful counter from um, him and Llorente. And and I think Trivier was the one who played the the first ball out. But yeah, second half was definitely more cagey and, and, and more even. And I think at the end of the day, you would say that 1-1 was probably warranted, right? And it was, guess who? Karen Benzema, who bailed his team out again. And and great, like I said, I think they, I think it was warranted this time. But um, but he did it again this past weekend against Elche, too, for Real Madrid. So I, I think it led you a little disappointed. But I, I think that especially... After losing that first derby against against Real, I think that's the one that will disappoint them more than than um, not being able to get three points in this one. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, Kareem Benzema, first off, being back for this team is probably the biggest game changer for for Real Madrid right now. Like, let's be honest, he scored literally their last three goals. <laughs> there's there's no beating around the bush. Like he has fully been the only reason they have scored goals in the last week and a half. And without him, 
you really, like we talked about last week, don't have a consistent goal threat. So Real Madrid being able to almost, I want to say escape the Madrid derby with, with a point seemed like the best case scenario for them because as you bled into the second half, I feel as though Atletico kind of should have definitely scored a second goal and really put the game to bed and put it somewhat more out of reach. But, and, and Lorente said this after the game too. He basically said, we, we kind of lost this game, right? The game got away from us and we can't let that happen because they had the chances. They had, you know, multiple shots on target, Saul getting a good chance. There were, there were definitely ways to win this game by a two goal margin for Atletico, at, l- at least two goal margin. But they threw, they honestly, I think it's more Atletico throwing it away. And Madrid going on, Real Madrid, of course, going on this past weekend now um, to drop more points, right, is probably, like you said, they're probably kicking themselves more for that. Um, well, oh, actually, sorry, <laughs> almost dropping points um, against Elche. They're probably still kicking themselves for getting that close, even in the first place. Like, they should not be losing to relegation face sides or sides that are very close to the bottom three in the way that they did yesterday because they quite honestly were the better team for most of that game but it was the same issue where they could not put away chances until Kareem Benzema basically worked his magic and that it's been working so far I guess when he's been in the lineup but it's not it's not a foolproof plan and also Sergio Ramos being back for the first game this past weekend will will help a little bit going into their their tie against Atalanta yeah and look I I I think this Madrid team is not going to get not going to be able to really put pressure I think on on um Atletico Madrid I I, I think Barcelona have a better chance of, of putting a real pressure on in the last 10 games 10 11 games of the season here but um, yeah, I th- the, as long as they have Benzema and and Ramos, like you said, they're they're going to be favorites anyway in every game because they're Real Madrid. But they'll have some actual, for lack of a better term, balls on the field, right? And that's what they kind of miss. I think personality wise, I think they miss that um, a, a lot when those guys are out because you know. Luka Modric and Tony Cruz are, are very experienced players and have been on the team for a while, but um, neither of them are considered as kind of vocal leaders and and able to kind of um, spur their teammates on, especially when a lot of the time that front line is very young, right? And and they just miss some experience up top there, and, and they miss it a lot when, when Karen Benzema is not able to play. But I don't know. The, the, Real Madrid team is weird. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how many more times I, I can like explain the same thing about them, <laughs> but literally, literally. But um, yeah. but yeah. I mean, they they have Lazio again, second leg coming up this week. Uh, Atalanta, the, or sorry, Atalanta. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> especially after the first game, was extremely disappointing from there, and yeah. considering how much time that they played against ten men. <laughs> So seriously, yeah, I'm not ruling anything out with this one, even if it's even though it is actually I don't remember is this this one might be actually in Bergamo, 
um, at, at this Atalanta. this one uh, I I don't know where it will be location wise, but Real Madrid will be the home side. Oh, whichever see, way you look at it, okay. <laughs> yeah, then, then even though it is in Madrid, yeah, I I really could not be surprised if Atalanta end up winning that that game and and winning on aggregate. Um, nothing will that will not surprise me. Yeah. one bit. Because all they need is one goal, too, right? You have to remember that a 1-0 win will be enough. Uh, uh, anything above that, too, will also be enough. But they just need to win by one in any scenario. So that's, that's, a, pretty good, that's a pretty good bet for, um, for the – actually, I guess they could, they could draw 2-2, right, and, and still go through on away goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I, I would say – Ty is still in Real Madrid's favor because, like I said, they have Kareem Benzema back. They have a healthy Sergio Ramos back. That's major. But this tie is also very close to being an Atalanta quarterfinalist type tie. <laughs> so yeah. don't – I would not, I would absolutely not be surprised by that whatsoever, whatsoever. So, <laughs> Rian, I guess one of the last questions I have for you then is you mentioned that Real Madrid, of course, you know, dropped points against Atletico in the derby. Do you think that they are too far out from the La Liga title now? Have you completely ruled them out? Because I I really don't know where I sit with this team either. No, no. I wouldn't say I completely ruled them out, no. Um, I just... I just don't feel that it's coming from... that the push is going to come from Real Madrid this season. Right? And, and, I, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're not finishing at an elite level, right? They're not creating chances at an elite level either. Um, they're one of three, three of the top four teams in, in Spain are underperforming their XG. And the reason why Atletico Madrid were able to build up such a lead and why they've been able to eke out and win these games is because they're finishing at an elite level. Right now, they're they're overperforming their their XG by almost nine goals. So, when Karen Benzema's in the lineup, fair enough. I can I, you can feel that 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 type of finishing is there, as you saw with his second goal against against Elche, which is an absurd, absurd goal with his with his weak foot. Um, yeah, that those special moments can happen, but I need to see it more. I just need to see it more because we haven't seen it through a lot of the season for Real Madrid. Um, and I know recently they've been able to kind of pull themselves out of out of the well a few times in games, and that's what they're going to have to do because they don't dominate teams, uh, and they just don't dominate teams. So that's what's going to be needed, and, and it's hard to rely on that every single game. And it's easier when you're Real Madrid, but it's still hard. I agree. I, I completely agree. The one thing that um, I think is just interesting as I look at Real Madrid and Kareem Benzema, I would argue that Kareem Benzema has not only gotten better since Ronaldo left, but he has been almost as important, if not more important, than Ronaldo to this team um, when Ronaldo was on it. Because without him, this team... I mean, you saw. I mean, you literally saw what it was like um, about a month ago without Kareem Benzema in the lineup. They were dropping back-to-back points consistently. I don't think that that would have happened without 
uh, I would say Ronaldo in the squad, but I'm not trying to make a comparison, but I just want to point out how important Kareem Benzema is actually to this team right now. And we, we I think we said it a hundred times, so I'll, I'll leave it at that and we can move on to Atletico, <laughs> Rian. Um, talk about what their drop in points for the last two weekends essentially mean, right? They dropped points against obviously Real Madrid and now dropped two more points against Hatafe. So two points from two games. It's really not what you need when you could have very likely picked up six from two games. So are they still favorites to win the league? I mean, with Barcelona now really on their heels? Yeah, I think you definitely have to still make them favorites, right? They're six-point gap on second-place Real Madrid. Now, seven-point gap on, on third-place Barcelona, who can make it four, like you said. Um, but... It, I think the defensive solidity of Atletico Madrid is still what's going to kind of keep them as favorites for me. I know that they're not finishing as efficiently, um, basically since since the new year, but I I do think that there's still enough there for them to not lose enough games. I mean, they're going to have to probably lose at least three games, uh, including the one against Barcelona. Um, or sorry, at least two games, including the one against Barcelona, right? And it, it, this is still a very hard team to beat. And I think the foundation of that is is enough in this position where you're trying to guard against losing the title and, and, you, and you're the front runners and basically you have to go on and win, win – Vast, obviously win a vast majority of their games, but also just not lose. I think like a Diego Simeone team is probably set up very well to not lose a title. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some concerns. I, I'm very concerned about whatever is happening with Jao Felix. Um, and we saw a couple of weeks ago when he scored, or it, was, it might have been last weekend even, um, when he scored and... <laughs> immediately like turned to the bench to to Diego Simeone and, and I don't I don't know what exactly he said but uh that's what led to that like after the game Diego Simeone saying oh yeah I love when my players are like pissed at me or some shit like that um so yeah because that's exactly uh, who he is yeah he's just it's he's seemed very peripheral in the team recently um and it doesn't feel like just because of him and and we talked about this when we uh reviewed the Chelsea Atletico Madrid first leg tie um in that every time he touches the ball, especially in that first leg, but um, even a lot of the time now, like when he gets the ball, there's a lot of pressure to create something right? and, and create something almost individually, most of the times individually. So it, it doesn't feel like he's getting the best platform to succeed. And you're seeing it in the fact that he's not starting a lot of games in, um, in his last like four or six weeks. Yeah, it's 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 something that I think is probably going to bother Simeone between now and the end of the season, right? How often is he going to play a, a significant role in the starting lineup in the league, right? I think consistency has been more or less kind of a weak point for him. But at the same time, his skill set is exactly what Atletico need for goals, for, for just a, attacking presence, and even in some ways 
developing a, a low medium block against like what you saw as Chelsea um, in the first leg of the Champions League. But I don't know if that's going to be enough for this Atletico side because what I've seen in the last two games from not just him but also other you know squad players I would call out specifically Saul Carrasco, not so much Koke, but Lamar is not necessarily an unwillingness to to press, but a lack of crispness in in their strategy. It's it's almost like Atletico are missing that extra gear that you saw earlier in the season that basically led to them just going on an absolute tear. And I don't know if it's fatigue or it's something else, but I think that they need to fix that basically midweek. <laughs> I think that if they if they can go through against Chelsea midweek because their backs are against the wall and I think this is when Atletico thrive the most, they are then even more favorites for the rest of the season because that's a massive boost in your confidence. Forget about what happens in the quarterfinals, but coming back from a deficit against a good Chelsea side would really, really lend a hand to turning the tie in, in La Liga especially. I think they're very much correlated. But, Rian, I guess the last question about Atletico, can, can they even beat Chelsea in <laughs> midweek? I mean, from your point of view, who is your favorite to go through? I think I know the answer to that. But do you think that there's a chance that Atletico can also go through? Yeah, of course I think there's a chance that Atletico can go through. Um, I, I'm really interested to see what an Atletico Madrid team that is behind in the tie looks like um, in the second leg of the game. A game where they're going to have to go out and... They're going to have to be open. Like, there's no doubt about it. They're going to have to be more open than they were in the first in the first leg. Right? And I think what scares me the most as a as a Chelsea fan is a a, a soft penalty to Luis Suarez like early in the game. That's what scare would scare me the most um, because you know we I think over during the midweek game um, their game against. Uh, the game where they won two nil or two one, I think. Um, against Athletic Bilbao, yes. How can against I Bilbao, yeah. and I mean two one, yeah. The the second goal is, I believe, a penalty where, you know, Suarez just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like I just about it yeah. <laughs> it's it's soft. It's soft. Such a soft penalty, but you know he he draws it, and and that's where I. That's the only place where I'd be genuinely kind of scared about in the first in the first twenty five ish for fifteen minutes, um, because then the game, then obviously the the game changes um, in terms of strategy from both sides, right? So, I I I, I think that um, if Chelsea played the same way that they did um, or controlled the game the same way that they did in the first leg, or and are able to keep the ball away from Atletico and make Atletico run around um, because they'll, they'll have to press, they'll have to just press higher up against Chelsea in this, in the second leg. Right. Um, if Chelsea are able to exploit those half spaces that are left open by, by the press and yeah, I, I think Chelsea will get through. And I think they should be the favorites going into it too. If we're just basing, you know, form and, and performances from the last, even since that first leg. Right. Um, right, right. 
Yeah, but but I, an interesting wrinkle will be Kieran Trippier is playing. Will be playing, I, I assume, and I assume Yannick Carrasco will also be playing. Like that's a new, that's a different element. I think both of those guys have looked very good since coming back for Atlanta. Yeah. I think. Um, and and Marcus Llorente, even through kind of some of the rough patches for the team this season, he's been, he's arguably been their second or third best player this season, right? Um, especially from the midfield. So. Yeah, the those two plus like maybe we'll get a cameo from from uh from Musa Dembele, who who <laughs> had a, had a rough he he should weekend. have he should have won the game this past <laughs> yeah. weekend against Atafe. I mean, he one of them have. was an absolute unbelievable save, um, from True. the keeper. But yeah, he he should have won it at the very end at least. Um, with a header, a free header, just about six yards or or ten yards out, and then he puts it wide. So, so there are a couple other players that can come in and, and kind of change the game from um, an attacking standpoint for Atleti. So that's something that Chelsea should be aware of. And and uh, and it'll be interesting. I mean, it, it'll basically be like almost two wingbacks against each other um, with yeah. how high up Trippier is probably going to have to be for in that in that game, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think Trippier versus Espelicueta is going to be my favorite matchup of the entire <laughs> the entire game. Minus, of course, Suarez and Rudiger slash Christensen. That, to me, is just hysterical in concept. <laughs> but I'm very, very excited for uh, for the Chelsea Atletico midweek match. And well, well, I will wish Atletico the best of luck, and you can wish Chelsea whatever you want. <laughs> but I am fully expecting um, Atletico to score early. I'm expecting them to not go through. However, I'm expecting Chelsea to go through, and. Uh, only time will tell what will happen. So good luck, yes. Rian. Good luck, Chelsea. That, I believe, wraps up any, everything for Atletico. Uh, the only thing I'll add in La Liga, Rian, is the uh, Seville derby was today, the, this Sunday. Um, Sevilla, of course, winning 1-0 from an early uh, Yusuf Nasiri goal, who Nasiri basically back on scoring track now. Um, has done yeah. a really good job in the last 10 days. Um, of I believe getting two to three goals, um, depending on when their th- third to last game was. But yeah, he's basically back on track and almost taking over for Lucas Acampos um, in that role since Acampos went out injured. Of course, he's now back, but basically retaining his spot. And Sevilla needed a big win. Sevilla really needed a big win. They were that is a big win too, right? Yeah, they, they lose that game and, and it's a three point gap. Or sorry, uh, yeah, a three-point gap between them and Real Sociedad and and, and Betis. Yeah, yeah, and and Real Betis, of course, uh, we've talked about them the last couple of weeks about a team that have won four of the last five, I believe, in La Liga, and they were they were coming, they were they were making an argument for being a top four side. They weren't going to be, but they were making an argument, definitely for top six. Um, so I think that's something that Sevilla needed. To be able to show that they could they could fend that off, and they did today. They did today. They played a, a strong game, a strong first half. Not so much in the second half, but still an impressive, impressive performance. A turnaround. Their serious lack of luck in the last two weeks. <laughs> so, all is well in Sevilla. Um, depending on your point of view, of course, if you're a, a Real Betis fan, then not so much. But you still have a lot of season left. Twelve games left now, I believe. Um, for most, if not all, teams except for Barcelona and Huesca, who play tomorrow night. So, Rian, with that, I think that wraps up everything for La Liga this weekend. 
We'll be back talking a little bit about the North London Derby, everything related to how Brighton scored a goal this past weekend against Leicester, and a couple of your other favorite Premier League headlines. So thank you as always for listening, everyone. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.